wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio. For March 22nd, 2018, I'm Graham Giusin Matthews. Welcome back to the show, as always. It's been a newsworthy week between WrestleMania 35 coming to the New York, New Jersey area next March, or next April, that would be. Uh, we got Ultimate Deletion in the main event of Monday Night Raw, but bigger than anything else, Daniel Bryan cleared to compete by the WWE on Tuesday, having an emotional promo return on Tuesday night. Just absolutely outstanding. No one ever saw this coming. At least not this soon, not at least at this point in time. Uh, but it was two years ago here on the show. We had a good friend of mine, one of my best friends, John Knapp from the Twitter Machine. He was on here on the show to help me break down the retirement of Daniel Bryan, how heartbreaking it was with D. Bryan being one of his favorite wrestlers of all time. So I thought, you know what, it's only fitting to bring John back here on the show to talk about the return of the American Dragon to the square circle. So, John, first of all, how are you doing today, dude? Graham, I'm doing great on this lovely snow day getting snowed in down here on Long Island, New York. But I, I would love to know how you're doing today. I mean, it's a great day for wrestling fans. It's the day after. Probably the biggest news in my lifetime as a wrestling fan was broken yesterday. So it's a great day to be a wrestling fan. I was one of those people, to be quite honest with you, as happy as I was, I was absolutely shocked to see that Brian was cleared by the company. I did not think it was going to happen. I figured he would be cleared. Or I figured he would wrestle again if he ever left the company down the road, but just in time for WrestleMania, where does this now leave your anticipation level for WrestleMania 34 coming up, if the possibility is there with Brian wrestling on the card? Well, Greg, first off, let me just say that I don't know what it was like for, for WWE fans when, when Shawn Michaels returned in 2002 from mm-hmm. his you know, career and the back injuries that he sustained in 1998. But I have to imagine a lot like I felt yesterday, completely out of nowhere. Um, I was a little caught off guard if they broke it on social media as opposed to breaking it over television. I think that might have made for better television. However, uh, I think it's cool because SmackDown certainly probably uh, popped a big rating last night with that news being broken a couple hours in advance SmackDown Live. Um, but I think it's probably um, even bigger than, than Shawn Michaels returning um, after a four-year hiatus from, from in-ring action. Because, I mean, if you just think about the ramifications of what's going on, now, Shawn Michaels sustained you know, career-ending back injury. It could have likely you know, paralyzed him, had something you know, else gone wrong in the ring. But we're dealing with a completely different, you know, animal here with, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan's, you know, you know, brain health, the health of his, you know, brain. Like, so, I, I mean, this is this is all going back to, like, we don't know a lot about, like, degenerative brain issues these days. And, you know, if something were to go wrong, I mean, and WWE would be responsible for it. And Daniel Bryan's, you know, entire mental situation would be messed up due to his in-ring career. Well, that's something that you certainly can't, you know, get back from. It's different from being in a wheelchair, not being able to, you know, hold a spoon or something or have a conversation anymore. But it looks like WWE is confident that Daniel Bryan, you know, is is free of those kinds of uh, of those kinds of pressures. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy to think about that they're they're confident that he's going to be able to get back in the ring and compete at the same level that he once could. And I'm so excited to see his career take off again. As far as WrestleMania goes, I mean, what else can you say? After you saw it all uh, last night on SmackDown, after last night, it looks like we're going to have another high-profile tag team match on this WrestleMania card. And Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Well, I gotta give you credit, brother. You gotta go back to the show from two years ago. I mean, I think we talked about it on the show, but I definitely know we talked about it when I gave you the phone call as soon as the news broke when Brian retired. You said that night, after, it was the same situation where they broke it on social media that Daniel Bryan had to retire, that he would elaborate on Raw that night. Same thing this time around. Almost exactly a mirror situation, just except on SmackDown. But you did say over the phone that day that I would love 
in your words, if Kevin Owens came out and said it was all a work and challenged Brian to a match at WrestleMania. And now we're kind of sort of getting that in the form of a tag team match at, uh, at WrestleMania 34. I'm again, not yet confirmed after what we saw on SmackDown last night, though, between the pop-up powerbomb. It looks like it's going to happen. So with this addition of the match to the card... Does this kind of make the whole, the many months of Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon, and the bickering between them and Owens and Zayn, does that make that whole story worthwhile? Well, first off, I want to say that that's very odd. It's kind of funny that I even brought that up two years ago, but uh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, sure, I'm a, I'm a fortune teller, whatever. Um, <laughs> and I think that it, it, will, it will make the months of bickering between Shane and Daniel Bryan worth it, if they capitalize on it. I know, I mean, as of late, I mean, over the past couple of years, I'd say WWE has had you know, a habit of not pulling the trigger on on, on different storylines when they're prime and ready. Um, I think one of, one of the things that I can think straight back to was uh, Randy Orton. After, um, after he was uh, taken out by the authority in 2015, or was it 2014, and he returned at... Um, Elimination Chamber, mm-hmm. and they and they it was like a slow burning build to his baby face turn, and th- that would be the match between him and Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. And uh, a lot of fans just wanted them to pull the trigger and do it right then, right there. But I'm hoping that WWE can can go away from that kind of formula they have and pull the trigger on a potential Daniel Bryan heel turn at WrestleMania that would see him turn on Shane McMahon and uh, align himself with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, as they've been foreshadowing over the last couple months. That would be an interesting idea. I haven't yet to see anyone pitch that, but I've also seen people say, could we see Brian... Well, I mean, it's all a matter of... We'll we'll discuss this real quick. How full-time is this guy going to be? You brought up a great point there, which I didn't even think about last night, with Shawn Michaels. And I think when he was first brought back, I'm not sure exactly what was going through their heads, whether it would be a once-in-a-while thing or just one match, because he did come back for that match at SummerSlam. It's not like he wrestled the next night on Raw. Michaels did not wrestle again until Elimination Chamber when he won the world title, and then he was full-time from that point forward. Um, So that being said, I'm not sure with Brian if it's a one-and-done type thing. They're going to see how he does. Well, I'll ask you this before we go any further. Do you want to see him back as a full-time guy after WrestleMania or kind of on a Brock Lesnar schedule where he wrestles every once in a while but still is on TV as a on-air presence as a GM or whatever? Well, I don't know who wouldn't want to see him back in a full-time schedule, but I imagine just for, you know, as far as ring rust goes and as a precautionary um, tactic, I imagine they'll ease Daniel Bryan back into a, a busier schedule. I don't think he'll just... I mean, he's already doing TVs every week, so it's not like he's, you know, resting or relax, uh, relaxing at home every week. So he's on the road. But I imagine as far as being able to compete, not only on a weekly, but a nightly basis, so like doing house shows as well, so whichever brand he chooses. I imagine to get to build up to that level of competition, that level of, you know, getting back into that kind of shape, it would take a little bit. You can't just jump right back into that kind of that kind of work. And I know Daniel Bryan, he hasn't been sitting on his ass uh, the past couple of years during his retirement. He has been training. He has seen this, this moment, you know, you know, he, he's seen it coming. He, he's planned on getting back in the ring at some point in his career, and, I'm sure he never thought it would be in a WWE ring, but you know he, he's he's definitely in, in ring ready shape. But as far as getting back on that that busy busy you know house show TV schedule, I, I don't know that he's going to jump right into it. But I could be wrong. I would be I'd be damned if I doubted Daniel Bryan. I guess we'll see. I mean, it also brings up an interesting question as well. With what, like what you said, it's it's a whole new beast with like concussions and stuff like that. With it being such a hot topic in recent years. What does this mean if Daniel Bryan is now cleared, and he's obviously fought for this for years now. He hasn't wrestled a match in WWE in in three years. So does this now open the doors for not only just injured people? Like, I know Paige has kind of tweeted out something a bit cryptic on Tuesday, saying he gives hope for people that think they might be done, because obviously she's one of those people. But I don't think that was a concussion thing. I think that was something else. That might have been a neck issue or whatever that she was signing. Yeah, I believe it was a neck issue with Paige. Yeah, with Paige, yeah. So it's a bit different in her case. 
But what about someone like a Corey Graves? Now, Corey Graves is not Daniel Bryan, but he too had to sit out on the sidelines and has not wrestled since after being diagnosed with multiple concussions multiple uh, many years ago and has not wrestled since. Does this give hope to a guy like Corey Graves that if he work hard enough and do whatever treatments Bryan did, which he has yet to specify what it is, but I guess we'll find out in due time. Could we see a guy like a Corey Graves or maybe not a Christian, he was already on the way out anyway, but he was also had his career ended due to concussions. Could we see people like that come back down the road now that Brian has kind of opened that door for people? I don't know that it would necessarily give them hope. As much as it kind of just tells everyone that there's a lot that expert physicians don't know about this kind of, you know, ailments with the human body. I know Daniel Bryan, like, officially, when he did retire, uh, there were the, 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 neuro, the, neuro, the neurologists, excuse me, who were, who were looking at him were talking about lesions on his brain, which just sounds very foreign to, you know, to me especially. But uh, to, to anyone who's, who's not familiar with, with, like, you know, brain injuries and things of that nature, that sounds especially severe. But since he is, you know, two years later, able to get back in the ring, I think it just shows that we, even, even though we do know so much and we're able to do so much about looking into, like, the ailments of the human brain, it kind of shows that we also don't know that much at all because clearly if top experts in the medical field were saying that Daniel Bryan's career is done, if he got back in the ring, he could permanently injure himself. If they, if they are now somehow proven wrong two years later, it kind of, it kind of tells me that, you know, we got to get the books as a, as a people and find out what's really going on with our brains. What, what, what can we really do and what can't we really do? I mean, it's going to be huge. I mean, obviously, as people have said on Twitter, and like I think Seth Rollins tweeted out as well, I mean, this could open a lot of doors for athletes in terms of those that have not been cleared due to concussions. This could now allow them to get back to in-ring competition or whatever they might be a part of if whatever Brian had done worked. I mean, I know there were rumors. I know Meltzer was talking about something that he underwent. I don't know if his, his health must have changed because if two years ago they weren't going to clear the guy, but they're clearing him now. And I know there's rumors of him leaving WWE, which I fully believe was the case once his contract was up because he was going to wrestle no matter what. I don't think it's a case of them solely. I mean, it might be a factor, but I don't think it's a case of them purely clearing him just because they don't want him to go elsewhere because I feel like that's a whole publicity nightmare for this company if he's not Absolutely. 100% and they're going to let him wrestle. You know, that to me just Absolutely. wouldn't make sense. So something Especially, mu- after, especially after, uh, you know, all the, all the, all the Crystal Witchkey does with exactly. the company. They, they, take, they take, you know, concussion protocol very seriously. More seriously than the NFL for sure. And, and that's the kind of thing. We don't want to, we do not want to understate the importance of like, you know, uh, respecting all that concussions can do to the human brain. I don't mean respect it, but like not doing, not trying to exceed your limitations when you do have concussions. Concussions are still a very serious part of, you know, athletes' day-to-day routine. Like they're very, very tough to, to overcome and you shouldn't. Just because, just because Daniel Bryan did, you know, achieve his dream of getting back in the ring doesn't mean that everyone who's had multiple concussions should just go about their business as usual. But I think that in this very, very special case, WWE saw that it might... I mean, it's just a very, very special case, like I was just saying. Consider this. Yesterday I was scrolling through my Twitter feed, and, and there were a lot of people talking and referencing... Uh, the Miz's promo on Daniel Bryan, I believe it was last year, on Talking Smack. Mm-hmm. Very, very good, you know, work shoot promo, and uh, it, it made it made Daniel Bryan, you know, appear in a light that wow, this guy is posed to get back in the ring and kick the Miz's ass. Of course, that wasn't the direction they were going with back then. But if they knew for sure. That Daniel Bryan was never going to be able to wrestle back then when they did have to like force him to retire. They sure portrayed him on television in a funny way, especially over the last last few months with everything that he's been doing with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. I know he, I know he shouldn't just kind of stand in the corner and stay away from bumps and 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 stay away from a talking role. I mean, he is the general manager of SmackDown, but I mean, in every position he's been in on television, it seems as though they're preparing him for some kind of big angle blow-off or something like that, and of course, now that he's cleared to wrestle again, that can come into fruition, but consider this, like, Kurt Angle's been the general manager of, of Monday Night Raw for a little bit over, or almost a year now, and it wasn't until, you know, 
Ronda Rousey got into the picture that, it, of course, you have that one-off TLC match that he had, but it's not like Kurt Angle's taking bumps or setting up any big, you know, blow-off angles for WrestleMania, like, every other week or something. I mean, mm-hmm. for the most part, Kurt Angle appears on that Raw backstage on his cell phone and sets up the matches. That's just kind of what he does, but... For, they were if they were sure that Daniel Bryan could never get in the ring again, they sure went uh, went about it funny portraying him on television because it seems as though they they, they wanted to set up these these thoughts in, in the WWE universe's heads that you know maybe he will get back in the ring. I mean, the, the way the Miz just talked to him, the way the Miz was kind of like, you know, I mean, copying his his yes kicks for Christ's sake and, and doing all these kind of things that would lead you to believe that well, this is going to lead to a Daniel Bryan return. And now, now of course, you know, he's cleared, and it's, and it's great, and, you know, you hope he stays in good health. But it's just a head-scratcher to me that, you know, if they really were sure that he would never get back in the ring, they sure went about it funny on television. Yeah, I didn't think about the Kurt Angle thing. You make a great point where it's not like he's involved in all these. I mean, he's obviously been at, at, at odds at times with The Miz and a few others on Raw, but not quite to the extent that Daniel Bryan was. And my thing with always with Bryan getting cleared was that if they were never going to clear him, then why even bother teasing the match? And it's it's obviously playing conspiracy theorist here for a second with, like, why would they even bother doing it for as long as they did between the stuff with Owens and Zayn, which the timing could not be better because the match is right around the corner. Could they have known this a couple months ago when they started setting it up? Like, this raises a lot of questions in regards to what they may have known a few years ago and why they would have even bothered done, doing, you know, why would they have cleared him now and not, like, a year ago or looked into his case again? And I don't know, just for me, if I thought they were going to clear Brian, they would have done it a year ago to do the match with The Miz, the Rumble, or WrestleMania, or whatever, which was obviously the direction they weren't going in, or just to get more heat on The Miz. So it is weird, um, but I think you have, whether he's a top heel or top babyface, because he's a guy that can play either side of the coin here, they got a big star in Daniel Bryan coming out of WrestleMania if he is full-time, either on SmackDown or... Or on Raw. So looking at the well, think landscape... About, think about all the matches that could, that could be done here. Exactly. Graham, that haven't been even thought about for the last two years. I mean, I think about back in 2015 when he, when he wrestled, when he did wrestle his last match. Who, who debuted the, the week after he, you know, relinquished, or, or excuse me, relinquished the uh, Intercontinental Championship? Was it Neville or Kevin Owens? Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. It was a week after Daniel Bryan relinquished the Intercontinental Championship. Those guys have not have ever had a match at WWE. But as long as Kevin Owens has been up on the main roster. So, I mean, it, it, this kind of thing dates way back. But Daniel Bryan has a lot of catching up to do. Mm-hmm. He is going to go into that full-time workload. He has a lot of catching up to do. I mean, the rivalries, that the hot, hot rivalries that would make money and sell out arenas and sell merch... Those kind of things could last him another five years, realistically. Even the encounter he had with Dolph Ziggler last night on SmackDown made me want to say, like, yeah, put those guys in a ring of WrestleMania. Like, I would love to see that match, you know? But Daniel Bryan, he has a lot, a lot, a lot of potential ahead as far as great, iconic rivalries go. Well, speaking of which, perfect segue here. So I just pulled up from the archives from two years ago from, let's see, February 22nd, 2016, in an article entitled, John's Jargon, Why, 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 Daniel Bryan's Three Greatest Rivalries We'll Never See in WWE, which we can we can now say. So just as a refresher, these were the ones that you listed. And this is 2016, and we've had so much talent come in in the last two years, it's ridiculous. But these are the people that you included. Number three, Kevin Owens, which you had just mentioned. Number two, Seth Rollins, a match we have seen before in the company, but never a feud, which is what you were talking about. And you yeah. did you did pitch that. You did pitch that right after WrestleMania twenty five or after in twenty fifteen after WrestleMania thirty one as a SummerSlam yeah. main event, which we got with John Cena instead against him and Rollins, but that could still happen. John Cena, you know, Cena's now a part timer, but we could see Brian and Cena part two, which we have not gotten in the last five years. Um, AJ Styles, obviously you had written that right after AJ debuted, which would be outstanding. And number one, which we talked about real briefly before I called you up or right before we went live, Brock Lesnar, a match that was supposed to happen, which has been documented and has been proven was supposed to happen at SummerSlam 2014. Brian got hurt. 
could have happened in 2015 before uh, Brian got hurt again, but it never came to be. So that's another one, too, if Brock doesn't leave. And that's not even counting someone like a Shinsuke Nakamura, who, with Nakamura, a guy who has said on record, and Daniel Bryan has said this, too, a match that, that was the reason why he came over to the company, not the sole reason, but, like, one of the reasons was one of the matches he wanted to have was with Daniel Bryan. And now we can finally see that. He had tweeted that out on Tuesday. There's so many other people from NXT, a Johnny Gargano, who is, like, the cur- the closest thing that we have currently to a, uh, a Daniel Bryan in the company that's not Daniel or, Bryan. Or an Adam Cole, baby. An Adam Cole, know? baby. Alistair Black. I mean, Andrade Almas. There is a Kurt Angle if you wanted to go that route and do that match, which, again, Kurt has gone on the record before in saying that he wanted that match before Bryan retired. So there are so many people for him to face. I feel like having him on a part-time deal, I just feel like isn't enough. I feel like if they put him on a part-time deal and they're like, okay, we'll let you wrestle, but we're not going to let you wrestle as much as, much as you want, I honestly could see a situation where he leaves anyway and just goes to um you know Ring of Honor or New Japan or whatever because if they're not going to let him wrestle as as much as they would he would like to why bother sticking around you know no I could absolutely see him wanting to leave for greener pastures but I don't think WWE is prepared for that you know WWE didn't clear him for no reason WWE kind of cleared him I think as a as a statement as a as an issue of trust saying hey we're going to clear you. We, his contract coming up, and, uh, you know, they, they want Daniel Bryan to stay in WWE probably for the rest of his career because they know that he uh, he's a big golden goose for the WWE. He, even still, I mean, two, three years since his last match, you know, he uh, he still brings a lot of eyes to the WWE. I mean, I work for the, I interned for the New York Islanders, and every night I'm reminded of Daniel Bryan's cultural significance when a New York Islander scores a goal, the, the crowd does a yes chat uh, to show their, their, you know, their their jubilee of the Islanders scoring a goal, and it's strictly from copying, you know, Daniel Bryan's yes chant that he, he started. Daniel Bryan even came to an Islanders game, I believe, it was two seasons ago, because the yes chant was so popular with Islanders fans. And I mean, he's still such a big name for WWE. They they would go, they'd be insane to not have to not have him come back and and do this full-time run where he can finish off his career and potentially go down as one of the all-time greats. Well, you mentioned it right there. It's funny that you bring that up. And correct me if I'm wrong, was it not at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn where it was Cena who had chosen Brian as a SummerSlam opponent and they had that massive yes chant? Was that not the Barclays Center? That Are you, are you referring to 2013? Uh, 2013, yeah. Yep. I, I would have to go back. I do not remember that. But that would be interesting to, to, to see. Well, it, it's funny, because like you said with Brian, like you said, he's culturally significant with the S-Chan. That blew up, uh, I think it might have been after, I mean, it was obviously WrestleMania 28 where it became what it was, but there was a, t- uh-huh. I think it was after that event, where like, you know, the sports teams and stuff, it went viral for a while, with like all these sports yeah. teams, or you know what, actually no, it was around that time too, but it was also before he had turned on Bray Wyatt, which is what kind of caused him to cut that short. And it was, yeah. I think it might have been in the Dunkin' Donuts Center or whatever when he was at the top of the steel cage and he started doing the that yes was, chant. That's yeah. what, that was 2014, I think, yeah. So it was it was an amazing spectacle. And yeah. how many times have we seen, dude, where it's like someone leaves for a few months because they got hurt or they come back to the company. And WWE sometimes will strike while the iron is hot, sometimes they won't. And sometimes these people will come back or they get hurt or whatever. And they're just not as over as they were before. This guy's been out of the ring for three years and he's still the most over baby face in the entire company. It's ridiculous. I know. It's it's absolutely crazy. And if you use that star power that he has and, and you multiply it with the star power that they've invested so much in, and some of these guys, like a Finn Balor maybe, or, you know, an AJ Styles, but there, there's just so many money matched. I, I, can't, I couldn't see a future with Daniel Bryan wrestling full-time. I couldn't see a future where he's out of the main event scene for the next two to three years realistically. I mean, you could headline the next two WrestleManias. And, and I'm sure that there are many fans who aren't in love with Daniel Bryan like, like some of us are, and they're groaning at that idea. But it just comes down to the fact of who's going to make the, the WWE money. I mean, that's a huge, 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 like, merchandising, like, that's coming back for WWE. We're going to get those yes shirts again. If Daniel Bryan's going to, you know, he's going to, Get back in the ring. It's crazy to think about. 
It's unreal. Well, I put this out on Twitter right before I called you. I'm going to look it up real quick and see what the results are at. But I'll ask you real quick before I see the results for myself. With Daniel Bryan being cleared between everyone on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205 Live, even the UK guys like Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate, they have an under contract. I mean, this might have been the case before, but especially now that Daniel Bryan is back in the ring. And, I mean, we have yet to see him wrestle again, but you got to believe he's still one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's got to be in that conversation. So with that in mind, and everyone else they currently have under contract, does WWE, from what you know, have the best wrestling roster in the world? Of all time, I mean, yeah, undoubtedly. (laughs) Maybe maybe that's why naivete or or ignorance coming in, but... It may, they may not show it on their on their weekly television, but it's great if you if you break it down just to like the names per capita they have on Monday Night Raw and 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 SmackDown Live. It's it's ridiculous the talent pool that they have, and I mean we 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 gloss over the fact that like you know Prince Devitt and Tyler Black had a match on Monday Night Raw this past Monday, and it was awesome, and like. We, like, things like that are, are forgotten because it's become so regular now and, they, and they've kind of transformed into, into bigger stars than they once were. But, like, Kenta is on 205 Live right now, as, as great as Kenta is. Like, they, they're, they're, they had to make a new show and, and put him there because they could, don't have enough room for him, you know, in another capacity. I mean, this is, like, since I've been a fan, since I've been a fan of, of pro wrestling, this is absolutely the most stacked I've I've seen uh, the WWE draw, and even even the guys that you wouldn't expect to be in that conversation are the ones who are kind of carrying a lot of the weight, like like guys like Braun Strowman. No, he's not going to put on a five star Matt Classic for you, but he's one of the reasons I tune into Monday Night Raw every week, and I I enjoy his work. The Bar, Sheamus and Cesaro, guys who have been in WWE for for Sheamus for a decade now. Cesaro coming up on what six years in WWE. They're they're so good at what they do that I'm really enjoying their work. One name we're forgetting that entirely is out of action for a couple months. Samoa Joe, like the the WWE, they're it's so stacked right now. It's not even close, and it's 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 great that Daniel Bryan gets to come back and has all these you know these toys to play with. Yeah, it's unreal. I mean, if you look at the roster, I mean, maybe compared to the Attitude Era where, like, everyone was a star, but from a purely in-ring standpoint, this is not even close. The best wrestling roster they have ever had. And if Creative was even half of what their wrestling abilities are, then it would be just the hottest product in the world right now. And there's not to say the product is not hot, but in, in some respects, but the people that they have on top in certain places is not the best. But still, I mean, the roster they have on paper... Is unbelievable, and like you said, the culture has changed so much. Where it's like, where it would have been a big. I remember going crazy a couple of years ago when we got Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins on Raw, like five years ago. It was like, holy shit, we would never see, have seen this a couple of years ago. Now, like every match has someone that was from Ring of Honor. Every match on like Raw or SmackDown or New Japan or whatever, we see in every single freaking match on these shows, which is great. But it's like just become another regular thing. Um, so one last question on that topic before we move on real quick here. You had mentioned this. I, I don't. Obviously, this was never like a, a realistic pitch, but it was an amazing storyline idea that we were talking about three years ago. And you definitely recall what I'm talking about here. It was the uh, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, or maybe it was CM Punk, or at least C- Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, and Samoa Joe faction that you have pitched mm-hmm. a couple of years ago now. Hey, yeah, Dan- yeah, I remember that. Daniel Bryan is cleared. We got Joe in the company. And you wrote this, dude, in 2015, when there was not even a thought in anyone's mind that AJ would be here in WWE. But he's here now, and he's their top guy. Could we see either that or something similar, with, to kind of go full circle here, what you mentioned at the start of the show, between Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens at some point in the very near future? I think the latter is definitely more likely. Uh, as much as I would like to see Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, and AJ Styles be a faction, uh, that was that was pure fantasy. But um, that I think I think that's what we're set up for right now. The tension between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon has been teased for so long, and I think that the chemistry between Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Daniel Bryan could be something that they could really roost on, and and hopefully that could lead into maybe like a hot triple threat down the line or something of that nature. But. Yeah, I think that come WrestleMania season, Daniel Bryan's going to be full. Uh, it's already WrestleMania season, but come WrestleMania, Daniel Bryan's going to be fully involved 
with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I think for the for the next couple months, if he is, you know, working the schedule that we hope he is, he's going to be fully involved with Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Shane McMahon, maybe leading to a Daniel Bryan versus Shane McMahon match at SummerSlam. You know how Shane McMahon likes to get involved too. So there, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fully possible, and uh, it, it does beg the question, you know, does WWE have a weird attraction to, to three-man groups ever since the success of the Shield with the Undisputed Era and the New Day and you know all these all these three-man groups that they love having. I guess I I've been mean, cool, cool stuff. And oh, I can't forget Riot Squad, Absolution, love the three-man faction. Uh, but that is 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 that, is that you know two unoriginal, just a pair, a bunch of former indie stories up together and have them be heel guys on SmackDown because you know. They're upset with the way things are in WWE. I mean, they'll have to, they'll have to get really creative and give me a reason to, to believe that Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, and, and Sami Zayn would, would team up together. But I think that is the, the direction that they should go. So while I got you here, dude, got to pick your brain a few other things. Uh, a match that we have been building to ourselves in SmackDown vs. Raw 2007 GM mode for, for years now. We're getting in reality a WrestleMania, very likely, a WrestleMania 34, John Cena versus The Undertaker. Undertaker, yeah, yeah. Where do you stand on this, dude? I mean, I've been very uh, vocal <laughs> about the fact I'm not happy about this just because I feel like it's a little too late, but I want to get your two cents on it. Where, where do you stand with this? Well, there's, there's, um, I would, Graham, I would agree with you. I think that you and I share a lot, a lot of similar opinions on, on big matters like this. I think that, like uh, Undertaker Sting, WWE is like you know a couple years late on that. I'm even pitching that idea of John Cena versus the Undertaker. But here's here's what would get me entirely interested in this feud is the fact that uh, Undertaker did uh, you know throw his his hat and, and robe and gloves in the middle of the ring uh, last year. So if if we were to get a scenario where Johnson continues to, to box the Undertaker and call out the Undertaker, and then one of these weeks on Raw, we hear, you know, like, uh, you know, dead man walking coming, and we get, you know, American badass Undertaker coming down on a motorcycle. I mean, that that could be interesting. Johnson has been blending the lines, uh, blurring the, re- the lines of reality and fix and talking about how, you know, Michelle McCool takes Instagram videos and him working on Instagram. So they're definitely kind of like, Clearing away from kayfabe Undertaker a little bit, mm-hmm. and if he were to come out maybe in Russell John Cena, you guys Mark Calloway, uh, that would definitely get my interest a little more than him coming back and doing the whole, uh, you know, dead man routine that has become a little tired to me at this point. But if they if they could switch it up, and get him on a motorcycle, or get him like in I don't know, like MMA attire. And have him just as a plain old Mark Calloway versus John Cena. That could be really interesting. I feel like that's the only way to salvage this thing. Like you said, I feel like if they bring back the Dead Man Undertaker, and, and, and it could still be a win-win because I feel like the farewell of the Undertaker character that we saw last year at WrestleMania, the match was terrible. Like we talked about at the time, in retrospect, I'm even more in agreement with you that the match was not good between him and Roman Reigns. But the farewell of the Taker character was so great, and you can still... You know, stay true to that if you bring back the American badass character instead. Like you said, hey, Kid Rock is going to be there. I feel like it's a, a perfect opportunity to have him sing sing him to the ring on the motorcycle, give people that one last hope with um with the Undertaker that it's it's going to be the dead man because people have been saying this for a while now. We were in a similar situation a few years ago with WrestleMania 31 where Bray Wyatt talked the entire build of Mania and it's like at Mania, okay, maybe he's going to come back with a new look, which he kind of sort of did. But it was yeah. like, it was super disappointing. And the match was fine, but it was the same old Undertaker. We didn't hear from Undertaker, and we didn't hear from him after that either. So it was like the match never even really happened. And Bray Wyatt lost because this guy's a loser. So that was also no surprise there. <laughs> but it was, yeah, we, 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 the point being is that we got to get the American badass here or Mark Calloway or something. Because otherwise, just as a money grab, just a, as a, an attempt to make money with this matchup, because it, you know people still want to see it. It's a, it's a match between two big icons in the ring. It's not going to be an instant classic in 2018. I feel like that's the only way to you know stay true to the Undertaker character and give us a match that we haven't seen before, at least not on a big stage as WrestleMania. Uh, do you have well, high hopes? Say, Sorry, go ahead. Grim, let's say WWE doesn't want to uh, get too original, get too creative here, and they and they do do Undertaker versus John Cena at WrestleMania 34, and they don't do it in any other character that we're talking about right now. You know what would, would sell the audience into the building 
or sell every ticket out there in New Orleans is the fact that the promo between John Cena, the, the package, the video package that they do for, for John Cena Undertaker would be insane. Mm. All you have to do is remind people that these guys have never, I mean, since, since John Cena's become Super Cena, uh, they've never gone one-on-one. And uh, it would be really, really interesting if you look at a video package they could do to, to really show that match especially if they don't go out of the box and get Undertaker to become the American Badass or any other kind of character. But I think that video package alone would get the hype up to that match. And the fact that if you remind people that this match doesn't happen every day, uh, yeah, people are going to want to see it. I think they need to go back to the roots of that. Just remind people that it's a, a huge match. And Cena's playing it up as a huge match. I'm not denying that, mm-hmm. but it's like... I feel like a video package, as you said, like what they did with Rousey this week, where you put a video package together talking about either Cena or Taker or whatever, and regards to why we should care about this match, I feel like is more effective than a match or a promo even could, like with the Rousey thing, but I feel like it's more effective than doing John Cena versus Kane. Like, who cares about John Cena <laughs> versus Kane in 2018? I didn't care in 2012. I don't care now, so I don't know what that's going to do to get us hyped up about the match. At this point, how do you see them confirming the match? For WrestleMania. I'm not sure if Taker should show up. I don't know if he will. We have two Raws left before WrestleMania. There's not much time left to confirm the match, but you know they will. How do you get from point A to point B with this feud? Well, the way I see it is if Taker's going to return he would, before WrestleMania, it would have to be on the Raw before Mania, not next week. Um, and also, if you don't want him to return before Mania in person, it would just be the classic Taker Mind games, a gong or two, maybe uh, the rev of a, of a motorcycle engine could be interesting, something like that. Um, even even Michelle McCool, who uh, who was in the in the Women's Royal Rumble back in January, so you know she's in contact with the company, even if you had her get involved in some capacity, because, you know, Cena referenced her, so obviously she's not off limits to, to speak about. If she came in the week before Monday Night Raw and I don't know, maybe grabbed the microphone, got in the ring with John Cena, and kind of played it up like that, you know, uh, Undertaker isn't going to fight him at WrestleMania, and then John Cena pushes her buttons a little too far, and then, like, she gives, like, a little sadistic smile or something. You hear it gone, and then all of a sudden, match confirmed, WrestleMania, John Cena, Undertaker, Michelle McCool, special guest referee up on the scaffold. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. He's got goosebumps. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, you gotta get creative here, Graham, you know? John, the only reason I hate that idea, the only gripe I have with that idea is that it's so good that you just got my hopes up so high. Now when it doesn't happen, because creative is just gonna be like, oh, it's happening, even though Taker never said yes, I'm gonna be so disappointed. But that's so perfect, though. Like you said, they've established by this point that Michelle McCool is not off limits. They have been in the past. Like you said, I think Taker... It has been one of the most protected characters in the company's history where they have never, ever gone into his personal life. But it all started with that little one-off comment that Cena made like late last year in a segment with Roman Reigns on TV where he called him a, a washed-up veteran with a busted-up hip or whatever it was. And it's like, okay, they're, they're getting a little real with this thing, which is great, which is what yeah. they need to do. And that's also what they're doing with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. I mean, Roman Reigns calling Brock Lesnar one of Vince's boys is hysterical. But aside from that, they are trying to get real with this thing. And the angle I thought they did this week was great, and it got me hyped up for the match even more so than it was before. And the match will deliver no matter what, because that WrestleMania 31 main event I thought was outstanding. Um, but yeah, kind of shifting gears here to Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Your thoughts on the angle that we saw on Monday, and your thoughts on how they've handled the feud up to this point with kind of a realistic uh, perspective on it. I'm really excited for this match, Gray. I'm not even going to pretend that I'm not. I'm really excited for Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns. If not only for the fact that hopefully it will be the end of Brock Lesnar's title reign, we can get more guys like Finn Balor in there and uh, give these guys a run with the, the universal title, give Brock Lesnar something else to do. But uh, if he does drop the title, of course, I don't want to make any any bold predictions this early. As far as Monday goes, I thought it was a little reminiscent of when uh, Triple H had Daniel Bryan handcuffed going into WrestleMania 30 and then attacked him. I mean, you, you can't. It's, and it's funny to me how they always just kind of use different jargon, different lingo. And this last week it was the U.S. Marshal. Next year it'll be you know the the Navy coming in to make sure Roman Reigns doesn't attack anyone. Um, but you know, I think that the Roman Reigns character has has uh, been unapologetically himself. 
Whereas, and, and that's the reason why I, I haven't been um, kind of so down on Roman Reigns, at least in the last year, uh, at least since he beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania 33, because there was, for so long, for so long with Roman Reigns' character, it was kind of like, we're going to spoon feed the fans this, you know, white meat baby face who is giving it 110% and he's going to win every match. And he's going to be a four-time world champion before his 30th birthday and, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Like, and, and now he's just unapologetically himself. Like, he is just, he's become this, like, like almost narcissistic, like, like ego maniac, like, only cares about himself in a way that's just cool. And, and he doesn't care whether you care or not. And that's, I mean, I think it's a lot better than him like, the whole, this is my yard thing is a lot more interesting than him, you know, trying to appeal to the WWE Universe. So, I'm, I'm excited only because, I mean, get this, if, if it was kind of like the year, if it was WrestleMania 32 and we are getting Rowe and Brock again, that's one. But we haven't seen these guys go one-on-one in, in three years now. So, this, this is going to be a good match. I think if Roman can get a good match out of Brock, which I would say he hasn't had since Survivor Series with AJ Styles, uh, if Roman can get a good match out of Brock Lesnar, one that isn't a four-minute squash or one, you know, one that gets me a little invested, a couple gear shifts in the entire match, I think that this could go down as probably one of the, the better main events in WrestleMania history if they were to close the show. Um, so, and as as far as the build goes, I'm hoping they do a little a little bit more to entice me, a little bit more creativity going on. Get the U.S. Marshals out of there. Have Kurt Angle reinstate Roman Reigns, and and let's see some real back and forth jabs. Let's see let's see some talking. And I I'm already really excited for this match. And honestly, not to get too off topic, but WrestleMania 34, with even with the card we have now, is shaping up to look like a great WrestleMania. I'm really excited. Honestly, not to set the bar too high here, but I was saying this a couple days ago, whereas I feel like with this WrestleMania, it's got a little bit of everything between like the attraction match with Cena and Taker, the hard-hitting brawl that'll be Brock and Roman, then like the instant wrestling classic between AJ and Nakamura. It kind of reminds me a little bit of WrestleMania 17, where that mania was so great because it had something for everybody. And I feel like this yeah. mania will be a lot similar to that, so... I got to agree, like, right now, compared to, like, this time, last year, or two years ago, or three years ago, what is your anticipation level for WrestleMania overall in regards to, because sometimes we'll get great builds, and the show sucks, or sometimes we'll get a terrible build, and the show is just amazing, and I thought, like, WrestleMania 30, it is one of the best WrestleManias of all time, or maybe 31 might be a better example, the build was not that great, but the mania was was awesome, probably because expectations were low, Uh, with this mania on paper. Where is your anticipation level at between this one and every other mania that you've been a fan for dating back to 22-23? I was going to reference what you just referenced, this May 31. How the build was kind of awful. Remember, remember Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar playing tug of war <laughs> kind of like, yes. like two children. And then WrestleMania 31 to this date is still my favorite WrestleMania that, I, that, I've, that I've watched. Um, I'd say that this is probably... I mean, you know, for someone like myself, who I'm a busy guy, I can't watch all five hours of, of WWE cable every week. I, I watch where I can, I catch up on Twitter, I try and stay as informed as I can. For someone who's not a full-time consumer of WWE television like I once was, I'm, I'm probably as excited as I've ever been for, for WrestleMania this year, if not only for the fact of the news we got last night, or last or yesterday evening, afternoon, with Daniel Bryan uh, returning to the ring. I mean, that's definitely, that's going to make this road to WrestleMania automatically one of the most memorable in my lifetime. But you got you got Ronda Rousey coming in, Kurt Angle making, you know, his return to the ring that doesn't count PLC with, you know, Seth Rollins and uh, Dean Ambrose. And uh, I just think, like you said, it's got a little bit of everything. There's going to be, you, you never want a WrestleMania where it's kind of like the same thing down the card. I mean, if you look at like a WrestleMania 27, it was a joke all the way through, take away Rey Mysterio, Cody Rhodes, and that's The Rock's appearance in the main event. But I mean, it was just kind of like, there was one there was one tone throughout the entire show. Maybe Undertaker Triple H was, was obviously the match of the night, but maybe that kind of uh, shifted the tone a little bit. But when you look at this match, there's like there's just so many different things to be excited for, especially if we get Dana Bryan involved in a match. 
And I, I think that this could absolutely be one of the better WrestleMania. And, and that's the thing. Every year we talk about, well, AJ's WrestleMania going to be better than the last. This is going to be the greatest WrestleMania of all time. And if you kind of step back and just say, you know what, let it be what it is, you'll, you'll enjoy it a lot more. If you take the expectation factor out of it, 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 it's a lot easier to digest. It's a lot easier to enjoy it. But I would be lying if I, if I said my expectations weren't huge right now, only because of, of how great, you know, the news we got was yesterday with Dana Bryan returning. And I'm excited to see Ronda Rousey. And I'm excited for Nakamura Styles. And I'm excited for Cena Taker. And I'm, you know, it's just, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's amazing how big of a difference, how much can change in one year's time. I mean, at WrestleMania 33, which I thought was a pretty good show, you did not have Kurt Angle wrestling on the card. You did not have Daniel Bryan on the card. Ronda Rousey. Now we have Nakamura main event uh, in one of the main events for WrestleMania. AJ Styles, too, but he wrestled last year. And a number of others. Hope I mean, I don't think Samoa Joe will be back by then, but we have Bobby Roode on the show, Finn Balor making his WrestleMania debut. It's like it's unreal how big of a difference a year can make with the star power on the show alone. And we complain, and not we complain, but like some people complain and people talk about, oh, it's going to be a 10-hour show. But it's like, it's hard for this to be a short show when you have as many stars as you do. And we, we discussed this ad nauseum before the brand split was brought back about why the brand split should be brought back. And I was one of the biggest knocks against them bringing it, bringing it back initially was that they don't have the star power. Like, you separate the show in half, especially with Raw being three hours, you, you, you just can't function on two separate rosters. But they ha- have almost an abundance, an overabundance of talent right now between the sh- two shows. They have to keep people down in NXT because there's not there's no room for them on the main roster. It's unbelievable. So, mm-hmm. like, th- there's a chance we could see Randy Orton, who main evented WrestleMania 30. He could be in the kickoff show this year with the U.S. Championship <laughs> match. Like, that's how big of a roster we have right now. It's unbelievable. Um, I know. It's crazy times. And like you said, like, I feel like we hear every single year, at least my handful of people, oh, that was no WrestleMania 17, but it's like, you just gotta enjoy it for what it is, whether it's the greatest Mania of all time, or even if it's the worst, hopefully we could just pick apart something from the Mania to enjoy, and I think it has potential to be pretty good. Um, But going back to Raw real quick, your thoughts on Ultimate Deletion. Now, I know you had mixed thoughts on Final Deletion, that whole thing over in TNA a few years ago. How did it kind of compare to that, in your opinion, John, and what were your thoughts on the WWE version of it on Monday? Well, obviously, a lot of the charm of the final deletion, um, of, the, uh, of the TNA version of the deletion that Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy went through, uh, it was a little campier, obviously, because the production wasn't as 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 great. But I thought I thought this this uh, ultimate deletion was very very charming. I, I I was I remember I was doing laundry uh, while while I had Monday Night Raw on, and I stopped what I was doing. I sat down. I gave it my full attention. Just so that I could say that I, I watched all the way through. And I, I I had a smile on my face the entire way. I thought it was funny. I thought it was, you know, lighthearted. And ultimately, if it's, a, if it's a way to introduce a new character for Bray Wyatt, maybe a babyface turn for Bray Wyatt, um, I think it did its job. And I my, my, hopes, my hopes throughout the entire, you know, match was that it would be a huge success for Matt Hardy and kind of, cement his status is, you know, I mean, that's a big deal to, to really sit back and think about how WWE put so much faith in Matt Hardy and his creativity that they just straight up copied what TNA creative did uh, a year and a half ago and unapologetically put it on and, they, and they, it, it was no, 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 like, uh, no qualms about it. They just absolutely copied what TNA did. When was the last time WWE copied anything that TNA did? Mm-hmm. Even when you wanted them to do it. Like, even when you wanted that uh, whole <laughs> AJ Styles, uh, what was it, the Dixie Carter and uh, Kurt Angle uh, thing that was going on in TNA, even when you wanted them to, you know, <laughs> to, yeah, to, yeah. To, co- to copy TNA like that, WWE has never been... Uh, has never been eager to do, and they just they just did it, and they went for it. And I hope I I, I haven't seen you know, what the final hour ratings for Raw where I haven't been looking into it like that. But I I, I was going through the hashtag the ultimate deletion hashtag on Twitter just to see what what people were thinking about it, what they were saying about it. And I, and I saw a mixed bag of tweets. I saw a lot of people who knew what it was, and I knew what its uh, purpose was, how it was supposed to be lighthearted and funny. A lot of people who clearly weren't familiar with it in the first place didn't understand it and were and were saying a lot of harsh things about it. But 
I think there's a place for that kind of thing in WWE. Um, the only reason being that I thought this was such a success compared to, let's say, the House of Horrors match that we got last year um, is that I think everyone knew and was aware that this was kind of a, a more humorous thing. Whereas House of Horrors, I think WWE was actually trying to like create a, a horror movie environment which just didn't work out. They were taking themselves too seriously. But Matt Hardy did not take himself seriously whatsoever. And I thought it went, I thought it went well. Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's rare that, not even rare, it never happens where WWE copies something straight from TNA. And just the way that it came off, I mean, I was saying on Twitter and people were saying, I mean, I don't think different is always good. And I agree with that, but I feel like different in this case is good because how many, how often do we see the same thing on Raw or SmackDown where the show kicks off with a promo match commercial, promo match commercial, blah, blah, blah. And now we finally have something where... Not only are they bringing in the woken, broken Matt Hardy character, they let the guy film a match from his fucking house. Like, that's huge. Like, that's really, really big. And not only did they even air it. Like, I know Michael Cole was, like, you know, subtly bearing it by saying it was obnoxious. Like, you had to know that was going to happen because Vince doesn't want to, you know, really praise anything that's not his creation. But they had this go on last. They had this go on last on the show. That is huge. And like you said, I don't know what the ratings were like. The viewership might have been down. But either way... It was trending on Twitter for well over two hours. And that's what they look at. They look at YouTube hits, and they look at what's going on Twitter and Facebook. They look at social media, who's talking about it. I was the same way. Like, usually when I'm watching the show, sometimes I'll be writing a review about the show, and I'm, like, half paying attention. But it's like, I stopped what I was doing, and I watched this thing, and I was a big supporter of the stuff in TNA. Was it as good as the Final Deletion stuff? Probably not. But by WWE standards and my just my expectations in terms of are they going to ruin this thing? Are they going to go full throttle with it? I thought it was. I thought it was good, and I think above all else, and we'll see how big of a success it is in the long run, in regards to what they do with Woken Matt. If they'll allow him to continue to use like the Senor Benjamins and his wife and his kids and whatever, and the Vanguard One stuff, which would be cool. They need to film more stuff from his house because the the backstage promos and the laughing got old like two months ago. Um, but I think the real opportunity here is with Bray Wyatt. Now you and I have talked about this. Again, on occasion, not even on occasion, like all the time, whenever we see each other, with Bray Wyatt, the biggest downfall for him was losing to John Cena four years ago in the same city, same state, whatever, uh, New Orleans, uh, you know, the same site of WrestleMania 30 four years ago, uh, as WrestleMania 34 this year. Him losing to Cena was the biggest downfall, the, the beginning of the end for this guy, and he has not been the same since. Where do you go with Bray Wyatt from here? Does he come back as a different character, John, or do they just forget all about it next week and say that he just crawled out of the lake and nothing happened? Well, Gray, that's that's a good question because I have I have not a lot of great ideas as far as that. Honestly, with you, like you said, you and I talked about this at nauseum, and uh, I mean, you could go face Bray Wyatt term, but if they haven't. I mean, Bray Wyatt used to be over. He used to be over, and they didn't want to commit to a babyface turn. That's how much they respected the character. I think what you could possibly do. Because here's the thing, Matt Hardy was very adamant about, at least on Twitter, about wanting to do um, more stuff like the Ultimate Delusion, wanting to continue to use the broken, woken character and not just have it be a one-off like it was in TNA after like that final deletion thing. And uh, then eventually Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy left the company. But if you want to continue the, you know, the the potency of this whole thing, maybe because we saw a cameo from Brother Nero in the Ultimate Commission on Monday, if you want to have maybe Bray Wyatt become broken in a way and have a little stable between Jeff, Matt, and Bray, that might be a way to get some, I mean, like I said, WWE loves their three-man stables, I and mean, he could do something in, in that regard. I know Bray Wyatt's been kind of the leader of a, of a stable for his entire career, but it maybe just uh, maybe him not taking himself so seriously is what needs to happen next because you, you can't have this character who, who talks such a big game he's got the biggest bark in the entire dog park and then he loses every single match maybe it's not such a bad idea to have him take a supporting role or just a, a lesser role than what he's been in have him be the, a background guy to Matt Hardy and uh and have him do something in that capacity. That was, that was my initial thought after the ultimate deletion. I saw a lot of people making jokes that he's now going to go back to Husky Harris, um, which is funny. But <laughs> I, not, not, 
not a lot of roads to go with Bray Wyatt, and I would feel bad if not only for the fact that WWE absolutely did it to themselves, absolutely did it to themselves. No reason for Randy Orton to have beaten him at WrestleMania only to lose to Jinder Mahal a month later last year. No reason for him to lose to Undertaker only to have WWE forget about that match entirely. No reason for him to having to lose to John Cena only for John Cena to, you know, what it lose to Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam that six months later gets destroyed by Brock Lesnar. Like, like John Cena even needed that momentum over Bray Wyatt. No reason to not even have him on the WrestleMania 32 card. Like, you feel bad about this whole thing, but WWE has failed not once, not twice, but like multiple times they've done this to themselves. And at this point, I got to ask, like, what, what is Bray Wyatt? Is a guy of heat? Do, do, they, do they not like his, you know, his... His, his work ethic, like what, what's what's the matter? But I think the the best thing to do is to stray as far away from this character he's that he's going with right now. Well, bonus question. Do they bring him back just in time for WrestleMania just to lose at Mania again and continue the uh, reverse Undertaker streak of losing for four or five straight years in a row? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> there, there's no reason you should be in the card of WrestleMania. Unless you want. I, I mean, even to put him in the Battle Royal would be a disservice. So people would just be like, well, I thought he was like in a lake. Where, why is he here now? Uh, keep him off the card. Bring him back. If you were to bring him back, revamped. Revamped. Like, let's say you bring him out back after WrestleMania. Give him a new wardrobe, new haircut, take the beard away. I don't know. Have him still be Bray Wyatt. Just a little more unhinged or something. Or maybe Bray Wyatt's favorite thing to do is to talk the audience to death that no one understands his riddles, no one understands his promos, and that's kind of his thing. Maybe take a Bray Wyatt who goes for more of a, a silent psychopath kind of character. Bray Wyatt just doesn't talk whatsoever. And you give him a win streak and you put the fucking jetpack on him and you push him to the moon, you have him beat everyone and you give him the Universal Championship, then I'll get behind Bray Wyatt again. But WWE has to show that commitment to Bray Wyatt before I show that commitment to Bray Wyatt because I have tried so many times to get behind him only to be let down. You know, like so. If, I, I think that that would be a cool idea if you if you if you changed his appearance a little bit, made him not so much of a talker, more of a stalker kind of thing, and then uh, had him had him actually win some important matches. That's one way you could revamp his career. But there's no reason he should be uh, on TV or even at WrestleMania. And in, the, in the coming weeks, I thought though I thought WWE tells us all the time that wins and losses don't matter. What about that? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely false in this case. I mean, in, in the case of John Cena, who cemented his, his legacy, does it matter if he wins or or loses to the Undertaker? No, it doesn't matter. But for Bray Wyatt, who's done nothing but lose big match after big match, and that's the thing. If he, I mean, like, if he weren't. If you weren't talking such a big game, I'm a god, I'm a god, and then, yeah, like, whatever. But he does, and then he loses, and it's like, there's no reason to even get behind that. The guy is just a perennial loser at this point. It's hilarious. It's like his gimmick. It's hilarious. They should might as well just blend that into whatever they're doing. But, yeah, I would hope they'll give him a hard reboot coming out of WrestleMania. Um, but what, ha- what happens with Woken Matt? Is he in the Battle Royal of WrestleMania? I would much rather just see him in a segment, to be honest. Maybe Elias does a concert and, like, Rebecca Hardy interrupts with the piano. Like, what would you do with Woken Matt at WrestleMania? Yeah, I agree with you right there. I mean, I think, like, like we are talking about, in the, in the age of four-hour manias, there's so much star power, and it's hard to get everyone on the card. I think there's not nothing wrong with a little light backstage segment exposure for Woken Matt Hardy. I think that'd be a great use of his character. Especially because he has, I mean, he, what, he just had this huge wrestle. Like, for Matt Hardy, the, the ultimate leash was probably his, you know, his WrestleMania moment for him, you know, as far as that character goes. And then you can kind of find a new road for him to take out to WrestleMania. But give him, like, a little lighthearted backstage segment. Even if he's, like, with his, uh, thing backstage. You now, something just to, to remind us that he's there, but nothing too crazy. I think that'd make a bigger impact than just putting him in the Battle Royal and having him get tossed out and, you know, halfway through by the Revival or something. I feel like that'd be a waste. So I, I, I like that idea a lot. Uh, one last note on WrestleMania before I let you go, John. WrestleMania 35, your thoughts on it coming to New York, New Jersey next April? Oh, Graham. One thought. We're going. <laughs> Easy. One thought. We're going. I, I, already, I already told my parents that I'm going. I mean, not that it matters, but I just wanted to make them aware that I am going. So, because, you know, it's been, it's been 
back when WrestleMania 32 was was kicking, my dad was was talking to me about you know going to Dallas and and seeing it, and that never came to fruition. But uh, I, I I I told him the other day as soon as I found out, I was like, hey, I'm gonna go to WrestleMania next year. Just let me know. And so yeah, Graham, let's do it. WrestleMania 35. It's perfect, brother. Can't wait. Well, it's also fitting, too, now with all the work that you're currently doing the Islanders and at the Barclays Center. I think with Mania being at MetLife, I think everything else, the Hall of Fame, TakeOver, post-WrestleMania Raw, I think it's going to be at the Barclays Center. So it's, like, beyond fitting for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I hadn't heard that, but if that's true, that's awesome because that's, you know, easily accessible. Yeah, everything's right there, so it's not far away at all. So I'm looking forward to it. we got WrestleMania 35 and especially 34 to look forward to. Before I let you go, John... Anything to uh, plug for the people, finding the socials, all that good stuff? Oh, absolutely, guys. Just follow me on Twitter at new, new handle for you guys, at underscore John Nap. Add an S to the end, underscore J-O-H-N-N-A-P-S, underscore John Nap on Twitter. Sounds good, brother. Well, always awesome to shoot in the breeze. Dude. I'm sure I'll be seeing you soon, and I'll catch you on the road, dude. Absolutely, Grant. Thank you so much. All right, so I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Enjoy your snow day, dude. See ya. You too, man.